My accountant, one of his things that he says is, he never says I'm an accountant, he says, I help small businesses who are doing about $2 million a year go to $5 million a year and then $10 million a year. I'm like, huh, are you a business coach? No, 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 I'm a CPA. Huh, so how do you do that? Well, now we're having a conversation. The problem is if you don't have a target in mind, you end up just talking in broad brush strokes and you end up just being beige, you know? It's like you, you just kind of blend, you blend into the wallpaper. Feasters, and welcome to season four, episode seven of Living the Feast. Having tough conversations with your clients, how to make your unique value proposition actually unique, and how to reflect the client's language back to them is just the beginning of what Troy Dean and I talk about in this episode. Troy Dean is founder of WP Elevation. He helps WordPress consultants build businesses through training and resources to get them to sustainability and then to scale. He's also a podcaster, a speaker, a father, and a dear friend of mine. Troy and I have been friends for a number of years now, and among the many things I love about him is that he works hard and is a straight shooter. Early on in my business, when I was building the business I have today, he helped me learn a lot of the business aspects that go into web development. Troy drops a ton of value in this conversation, specifically as he talks and walks us through certain scenarios he's had in conversations with real life clients. To be perfectly honest with you, much of what you're going to hear in this episode is what Troy helped me with all those years ago, which is why I was so excited to have him on. So grab a pen and paper. You're going to want to jot down some of the phrases he uses so you can better your business. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for web developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers of all type wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that's profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to respected person for your services. That, together with monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit-chats, and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to live the life of your own design. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast. Head over to feastcourse.com today. Hey, Feasters, welcome. And today's co-host is Troy Dean. Welcome, Troy. Hey, Jason. How you doing, man? Great, great. Troy is the owner and founder of WP Elevation. He helps WordPress consultants build businesses by mastering the business skills and practices needed to run a successful business. He's also a speaker, podcaster, voiceover artist. You still do that? Yeah, I know you do it for yourself. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a father as well. So, Troy, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do? Yeah, well, so I basically, I love 
small business. You know, it's funny. I have friends of mine who, who, who work jobs and they're like, don't you feel, aren't you nervous like having your own business? Don't you feel like, don't you feel insecure about your future? And I'm like, no, man, I feel like you should be the one that feels insecure about your future, man, because like your financial future is in someone else's hands and you got to mm-hmm. pray that they don't screw it up. So I always feel like I'm a control freak, dude, and I Mm -hmm. need to have my hands on the wheel of the bus that I'm in, you know, like I'm not, I'm a terrible passenger. Just ask my (laughs) wife. I'm like the worst passenger ever. So when we kind of have this rule uh, that if we're in the kitchen, like we just, the other one, if the other person's in the kitchen, we can have a conversation, but we can't comment on how the other person's cooking and what their process is because that just ends badly. So, um, anyway, on the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you go hungry tonight, boy. So, um, anyway, I never had it. Like my parents started a business. I remember when I was in probably late primary school, my parents started a, a business, uh, installing gas appliances like heaters and cookers. And my dad was doing the, the quoting and the installations and my mum was doing the admin and the sales stuff. And the business, we went into partnership with a local family who were friends of ours and the business failed. Uh, the family that we went into business with were a bit dodgy. And I, I watched the business fail and it was really damaging to my my parents' confidence and they had to go back and get jobs. And so, I mean, subconsciously, I didn't know this until years later, but so, and so what would happen is after school, we would drive up to the shop where we had the business. We would drive to the store like a couple of times a, a week after school. And it was kind of like, it was boring for me hanging out the back of the shop, not doing anything. And and then I watched this business fail. And then so subconsciously, I think it was like, it was just drummed into me from day one that, you, you know, you leave school, you go to university and you get a, you know, good education and then you get a job and you go to work and you get good pay for it. You know, I remember my, my grandfather said to me, God love him. God rest his soul. My grandfather said to me once, you should get a job with the government because you don't have to do much. They pay you OK and you've got a job for life. And I was like, wow, that sounds awful. Like I, <laughs> I can basically have a job for life where I don't have to do much and I get an average pay. That just sounds like hell. <laughs> so I didn't take his advice. And so what happened is, you know, I kind of worked a bunch of crummy jobs and, you know, I was doing sales stuff and I was pretty miserable. And, you know, in my late 20s, I was kind of just wandering around the planet, not really knowing what to do with myself. And I was a bit lost and I was getting myself in a bit of strife and a bit uh, directionless. And then I discovered the internet and started building websites and I kind of fell into voiceovers by complete accident. So I started building a website to promote myself as a voice artist. And and then I, you know, learned about technology and and then I realized, and then other people started offering to pay me to build websites because they figured out that I could build websites and word got around. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now I have to figure out how to do invoicing and collect money mm-hmm. and, you know, get content from clients. And all, and I and so I ended up in business by accident, which is how I think a lot of us end up in business. Right. And there was no one to show me how to do it because I didn't have anyone in my life that I knew that was in business that could teach me. So I basically figured it out myself. So the point is, the long answer to your question is, the reason I do what I do now is because I absolutely know that having having the ability to generate your own income is I think one of the most powerful things and most empowering things that you can do for yourself and your family and your future. My mission now is to help as many creative freelancers as possible turn their creative passion into a profitable business. And that's why we do what we do because I wish someone was around, you know, 10 years ago when I started out to kind of show me, you know, the, the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you were kind of there when I was stumbling over myself, so to speak, especially with those kind of all that business aspect stuff, like contracts and proposals and collecting all data, all the all the things that you just like me as a developer, 
I was fine with the skills. The skills was good. Yeah. It was all of the other things around the skills that I was just like, what? I got to figure this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where do I go for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it's a completely different part of your brain. Like if you're creative in any way, and I actually think, and I, so I did a bit of development, learned, you know, how to write code and stuff. And I think it's a very creative thing. So I don't delineate between designers and developers. I think we're all creative people and we engage right. a certain part of our brain. And I think the business side of things is just a different part of the brain that you need to switch on. And also when you're creating for clients, you want to be super helpful and come up with a great product for them. But when you're actually dealing with clients around things like content or payments or contracts, you need to be really assertive. You kind of need to be firm, but fair, which is kind of the opposite of when we're creating for con- creating for clients. When you're creating something for clients, you just go all in and you're super passionate about giving them the best outcome, but then you kind of got to whip their ass as well when they don't pay their bills, and they don't give the content on time, you know? So it's a delicate it's a delicate dance you got to do to manage that relationship. Yeah. We had Chris Bentliff earlier in the season and he was talking about, you know, you kind of have to command the room, right? We go yeah. in there, you know, look, you're hiring me for a certain thing. I'm the expert here. And mm. from my experience, it tells me we need to do this. What yeah. do you think? Right. Yeah. And kind of work at that level rather than always like, what do you need? What do you need? What do yeah. you need? Right. Because they, you kind of, when you're in that realm, you're just hired a boss. Yeah. Like you're Correct. not in business for yourself anymore. You're just, you have yeah. a boss again. That's right. And And the truth is that, the client doesn't know what they need, right? Mm -hmm. The client thinks they know what they want. They don't actually know what they need. So, you know, I've actually said to many clients over the years, you don't need a website right now. What you need to do is start a Facebook group and get some traction on this crazy idea of yours before you waste a whole bunch of time and money building a website that no one's going to visit, right? So I think the confidence to be able to say to a client, you know, I understand what you want. I understand the business model here, but I'm going to tell you something that is, you know, might go against what you think or what you believe, but I'm telling you this because I have your best interest at heart. I, I mean, I could just take five grand off you right now, build a website and it's going to go nowhere, you know, right, but right. I, I'm in this for the long game. And I think the older you get, the more confident you become in your own skin and the more you kind of you know, the less BS you want to put up with from people and, and the more the more kind of likely you are to go, you know what, I know what I actually know what I'm doing because I've made a bunch of mistakes in the past and I actually know what I'm doing now. So you should listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and when you have a kid, the focus. Like, oh, I don't man, know. Dude. I don't know about you, but like when it, when when teacher was born, it was like this switch went off yeah. in my head. I was a hundred percent, absolutely, man. Like I remember being at home once and Oscar was having a sleep, and I knew it's like when they go down, you've got like you've got like a forty five minute window. Maybe. You know, yeah, maybe exactly. It could be twenty, right? <laughs> and the funny thing is, I'm pretty lucky at the moment. Whenever I'm looking after Oscar and he goes down for a day nap, he sleeps for like an hour and a half, two hours, right? Whenever my wife's with him, he's like 20 minutes and he's up, you know? So she so she can't get anything done, you know? And meanwhile, like I'm just hammering away on the keyboard, sending emails, making phone calls, and he's sleeping for an hour and a half. And she's like, how do you do this? I'm like, I don't know. Me and the kid, we've got an understanding, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, but I hear you. Like, you get super focused on, like, like. Well, I remember when after he was born, I was like, what the hell was I doing before he was born? I was just right. wasting so much time <laughs> faffing about doing all this stuff that just doesn't matter, you know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was the same way, and I was talking with somebody else I was, th- that he has a full-time job, but he he just had a child, his first, and I said, I don't know, man. Like, they, if I could give you one piece of advice is, like, all of a sudden, like, they say that women have this superpower. They get, like, super strength. They can lift, like, a car off of a baby. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. for whatever, for me, it was, like, hyper-focused. It was, like, all yeah. the other stuff doesn't matter. Let yeah. me get in on what I need to get in on. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you did development and, and all that stuff, but when you're helping freelancers and consultants try to figure out what it is that they need to do for their business, right? And we talked about how you go into the wants versus the needs of a client. How do you help them get through that mindset that, hey, look, you need to figure out like a a customer is going to come to you with all of these things. Do you kind of need to discern that information and distill it into something that's viable for them and that works for them? How how do you help people through that? Yeah, it's a good question. And and it's something that I took me a long time to figure out. I remember spending a lot of time in meetings with design agencies who would bring me in as their developer and we'd go in and meet with a client and we'd all be excited about the possibility of this project. And we'd sit down and these design agencies would just kind of start running this meeting and and I'd be like, ah, oh, this is this is all wrong. Like they're just not there's opportunities. We're leaving money on the table here because and the reason we're leaving money on the table is because we're not actually delivering enough value to the client because you're not asking the right questions. So I was starting my kind of career as a keynote speaker around about the same time. And I went uh, to a workshop run by a friend of mine, Toby Travener, who taught me basically uh, how to take a brief from a client for a keynote presentation. And so he taught me this, this kind of questioning framework, which I then appropriated as a web consultant. I was like, huh, I could just use this to ask my clients you know, a series of questions to get, actually find out what they really want rather than the first thing they tell me. Because if you, if you say to people, you know, if you, if someone says, I need a website and you say, okay, well, you know, what's the point of the website? The first thing they tell you is not the truth. The first thing they tell you, right, is the first thing they tell you is kind of pre-framed in a whole bunch of conditioning and cultural stuff. The first thing they tell you is what they why they think they want a website or what they think they're supposed to tell you, right? It's not the truth. And so I I took Toby's questioning framework that he taught me and I kind of tweaked it and spun it a little bit and I gave it a name. It's called Go Wide, Go Deep. You're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. And basically it's just, just a series of asking why. I mean, I used to ask why a lot as a kid. So this stuff comes naturally to me. So, you know, I need a website, I need a a new logo, I need a corporate video, whatever it is, I need a whatever it is. Okay, why? Why do you need that? And then just keep asking the question, okay, well, why else do you need it? Why else do you need it? Why else do you need it? When the client runs out of reasons or looks at you like you're a crazy person, then that's called going wide on the answer. So we just get as many answers as we can. And then we go deep. We say, okay, out of all the things you told me, what's the most important reason? And they'll identify one. It may be the first thing they said, it might not. And then you say, okay, why is that the most important? And they'll tell you. And then you say, okay, why else is it the most important? And you go deep. And so you just do this circular motion of going wide, going deep, going wide, going deep until eventually they drop a truth bomb on you, which in my case, one of the first clients I worked with was an osteopath clinic, and um, which is kind of like a chiropractor practice and a, a mm-hmm. physio put together and um he was kind of telling me that he just wanted massive search engine visibility wanted to be all over search result pages and eventually after questioning him for about 10 minutes he's like well the truth is i'm selling the business and 
I was like, ah, oh, right. And so for me, it was like, well, of course you want to have maximum visibility on search engine because if you're selling the business, someone somewhere is thinking about buying it and they're going to be researching you on, and this is back in 2008, they're going to be researching you on, on search engine um, results and they're going to want to see, if you've got massive visibility, that just puts the price of the business up, right? So for me, there was a search engine visibility strategy. I didn't have to actually worry about driving people into the practice or do a loyalty program or introductory coupons or anything like that. It was just search engine visibility. So so the go wide, go deep allows you to have a, a structure conversation with the client I usually record these conversations iPhone on voice memo and then I go back and I listen to them I get them transcribed I work my way through the languaging that the client uses and then I use that language to feed a proposal back to them so I'm basically it's a classic mirroring and validation exercise you know the the best way to let someone know that you've actually listened to them is to kind of repeat what they've said back to them using your own words but some of the language that they used so that Mm -hmm. they're like Oh, you actually listened and understood what I said. And it's a, it's one of the fastest ways to build a great relationship with someone because they feel heard. And so I just use the same language that they use in the proposal back to them, feed it back to them. And my proposal acceptance rate started going through the roof. So that little techniques worked wonders for uh, myself and a whole bunch of consultants that we've trained over the years. Hmm. Go wide, go deep thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the why thing. It's funny. You know, it's the five whys technique, right? Like yeah. you got to get asked them why five times to get to the root cause of whatever the problem is that they think they have. Yeah. And then it's funny when you first do it, it's awkward. It is. It's like, okay, yeah. how do I reframe the question again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get them it's to say totally something awkward. else. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, right? I've become really good over the years at putting structure in and what I call scaffolding in place to make sure if I'm ever in a situation where I feel awkward, I can get out of it and I've got some support there. You and I have had this conversation over the years. I get quite a bit of anxiety and especially if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling a bit intimidated by someone or there's like there's a big project on the line and I can talk myself into a tears, you know what I mean? I can get, get myself all sort of mumbled up. So I'm really good at kind of going at protecting myself and putting structure in place. And so one of the line, and I, it's all for me, it's all about scripts. One of the lines that I've developed over the years is if I feel myself getting awkward, I'll just say, look, I know I'm asking a lot of questions here, but think of me as a doctor. I can't give you the right medicine unless I know all the symptoms. So this, this, these questions are just designed to get all of the symptoms so that I can give you the right medicine. It's actually a way of me soothing my own anxiety more than anything, but it, it kind of tends to help, you know, soothe the client as well. So. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I haven't actually figured all that stuff out. I just really just on the cuff, I just like, okay, they talked about this. Let me go there first. And then I'll bounce back to this other thing. I'll ping pong back and forth sometimes. And yeah, yeah. sometimes for me and the clients that I talk to, it usually really falls into like three buckets. It's like new revenue stream into the mm-hmm. business. Yeah, They want to save time on something yeah. or they want to increase revenue right? Yeah. Meaning of the existing services or products or whatever. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I just try to drive t- towards one of those three yeah. and see what resonates, what's important to them. Right. Yeah. So I had, I had this conversation with a, with a, a client once who owned a bricks and mortar shop. They're in the framing business, framing pictures and paintings and stuff. I uh, went and had a conversation with them. I actually went to their store on a Sunday morning when they, the husband and wife team were there and we got chatting. And eventually after like 
I was like asking lots of questions and, you know, and they were a little bit kind of standoffish and didn't really sort of trust me to begin with. And eventually the wife, I think the wife just kind of got a little bit frustrated and said with with the husband and said, look, we've had this business for 25 years. They were from Croatia, right? They're like, we've had this business for 25 years, been working seven days a week for 25 years and we haven't been home to see our family in Croatia. And we want to grow this business so that we can employ a manager so that we can go have a holiday. I'm like, Oh, now we're getting somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So so what I'm actually going to do is build you a holiday giving website, right? And that's the whole point <laughs> of the website is to give you guys a holiday, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, if you hang around long enough, people eventually will open up to you. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too is like, you know, I have introverted tendencies. And when I meet face to face, especially in an office or, or, you know, a closed room that the person brings you into, just mm. look around the room. Like yeah. if there's business awards, then you yeah. know that that's what's important to them. If they've yeah. got family photos around, then that's yeah. what's important. Like yeah. just be aware of your surroundings and like yeah. those kind of like, you know, little cues that you could say, okay. I mean, that's a little salesmanship and a little like, yeah. you know, thing, but at the same time, it helps. It helps you can steer the conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's okay that it's a bit of salesmanship. Like that's our job is, I mean, if you want to earn money and feed your family by doing creative things that you're good at, then you need to kind of figure out how to sell stuff to people. It doesn't have to be, selling doesn't have to be a dirty kind of icky thing, you know, like it's got such a bad rap. And I think it's because people sort of think about the used car salesman or the snake oil salesman, but selling for me is just actually showing people that I can help them and then helping them make a purchasing decision and helping them buy the right thing. That's a whole other conversation we can have another time. But I've been through a whole journey with sales over the years where I started out in sales and I really didn't like it and I felt really icky and really sleazy. And I've come full circle now and I absolutely love sales right now because I know that I'm helping people and they're making an informed decision. So I would just encourage anyone listening to whatever hangups I've got about sales, just put it aside and, and, you know, focus on getting to know the customer and working out how you can help them and putting that offer in front of them. Yeah. I was talking to my best friend. He was saying that, you know, he goes into a conversation from a sales perspective with humility in one hand and empathy in the other. Yeah. And basically to serve, listen to what they're saying and then figure it out and serve them best, whether the that you can help them or not, yep. at least put them in a better spot. Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that early on when we started talking years ago at this point now, you helped me really define elevator pitch, tagline, whatever the thing is, right? Whatever you want to call it, unique value proposition. It's so simple. It's just like a one-liner that like makes so much sense. And I was just like, why didn't I ever think of that? Like, it's so easy. Like, could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time going to networking events over the years and speaking at events. And after you speak at an event, typically people come up to you and they want to talk to you. And, you know, other speakers are like, oh, what do you do? Like, it's the standard question everywhere you go. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And for years, I was like, oh, I'm a web designer. And you just watch people's eyes glaze over, you know. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and, and, you know, the conversation goes nowhere. And also if you're a web designer, you know, you can get a web designer on Upwork for, you know, 20 bucks an hour. So you're competing on price, you're a commodity. And so I studied this a lot and I had a lot of help from mentors kind of, you know, helping me work out unique value proposition and get my head around the whole concept. And uh, I think it was Brennan Bouchard and Dan Kennedy. I was kind of following those guys and, 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 and studying their teachings. And, and when I really broke down what a unique value proposition is, it's a, for me, it's a way of communicating in a very short space of time what it is you do. And so I, there, for me, there are three components. It's like who I help, 
what I do and how I do it or who I help, the benefit that I help them get or the headache that I help them solve. So for example, and the thing about a unique value proposition that most people miss is that it's got to be unique. So I think everyone is way too polite and way too PC, you know, with like how we communicate what it is we do. So for example, my my wife's just starting a little web TV show about mental health in the perinatal space, which for those that don't know, perinatal is is anything around pregnancy and motherhood. So this is a, a web TV show that talks about the mental health issues for mums, new mums going through pregnancy, giving birth, um, the first year of having children, breastfeeding, all of the issues that are associated with that and how it can affect mental health. And so we're coming up with a unique value proposition for their website, which is basically just got a video trailer on it and a button to sign up for when future episodes are released. And they're, you know, throwing around all these kind of taglines and they're kind of just all a bit boring. And so last night, you know, I was really tired and I was like, at the end of my tether, I'm like, I have to go to bed and I just have to nail this right now. And I said, you know what? I just want to write a brand new series helping mums navigate the delicious catastrophe of motherhood, right? And so my wife was like, oh, oh my God, that's amazing. But instantly she was like, uh, but it's too bold. Like, uh, we can't publish that. And I'm like, why can't you publish that? That's exactly why you should publish it because it's a little bit in your face. It's a little bit confronting. It's a little bit, it calls it for what it is. I mean, as you know, parenthood is a delicious catastrophe. You know, it's like, <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean? Credit where it's due. A man by the name of John Kabat-Zinn wrote a fabulous book or has a concept called the, the full catastrophe of life. And it is, it's, it's not black and white. It's everything in between. So the point with the unique value proposition is you need to be able to say something to someone and their response needs to be something like, oh, how do you do that? Or, oh, I'm interested. Tell me more. If they just go, oh yeah and their eyes glaze over, you don't have a unique value proposition, right? So when I was coaching small business owners through digital marketing, one of the things, one of my, at the headline on my homepage at one point said, you know, if you and I work together and I, and you don't get closer to your goals, I'll pay you $500 because I knew that no one else was prepared to do that. And I knew that I was never going to have to pay the $500 because I knew that I was a good coach. So Mm -hmm. it's, again, it's just a way of kind of putting your flag in the sand and saying, this is who I help. This is how I do it. And this is how I do it that no one else can touch. This is what's unique about working with me. And therefore you can't get this anywhere else. You can only get it from me. And so therefore you don't, you know, we're not talking about price anymore because you can't get this anywhere else. There, there is no competition. Yeah. I love that. Now I need to rewrite mine, but <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'm, I, re, I rewrite mine every week. Oh, like, if yeah. you saw my Evernote of the elevator pitch, Oh God, it goes back years. And I just keep each one because I yeah. like, I, I like to reference what it looks back, you know, yeah. how it evolved and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, I, for a web developer, I mean, I would always say that I'm a web developer. Yeah. I still find myself doing that. Yeah. You know, it just depends on who I'm talking to. Right. Yeah. But like, it's, you know, when you actually say who it is that you help and how you're helping them, like what the benefit that they get from that, yeah. then it's like, we're not even talking about me anymore. We're talking yeah. about you again. Yeah. hundred percent. I was talking to one of our uh, Mavericks yesterday and, he, and I said, you know, who, who Mavericks clubs, were our, our mastermind program. I was talking to one of our members yesterday and he said, you know, he's kind of feeling a bit lost. And I said, what kind of work do you want to do? And who do you want to do it with? And he said, you know, I'm really passionate about helping small business owners who are so passionate about what they do that they would rather die than not have their business grow. I said, dude, that's what you put on your website. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Who says that? No one says that. So, you know, (laughs) hey, if you're the kind of business owner that is so passionate, you would rather die than not have your business grow. You should give me a call and we should work together. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and you, that's a unique value proposition. <laughs> yeah, and it's bold. I mean, is, and that's yeah. the thing too. In and of itself, I mean, it, we've kind of touched upon it a little a bit. Is that you kind of have to be commanding of your business yourself, and you have to take a stand sometimes, plant your flag, command the conversation, do the things that like it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, at first, right? Maybe it's a lot of uncomfortable at first yeah. but as you do it then it becomes more natural and it becomes yeah. more of a thing and and especially when niching down you have to you can't be wishy-washy on it you have to really say like you know i help establish online businesses i mean that's part of my uvp and people are like well what do you mean established like i get asked that a lot they key on on that word and that's very important for me because i don't want to build you a brand new e-commerce website yeah i've done that before but yeah. I can help people that have an existing one that they understand some of the problems that they already have with yeah. their existing one and improve their customers and retention and more upsells and all that other stuff. And that's the stuff that I focus in on and that I'm yeah. good at. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a funny game. I find niching down is a, sometimes I, I feel catch myself niching down too much. You know, people say that, like, how far do you pigeonhole yourself? Like, then you don't get anywhere. No, I get tons and tons of development gigs. All people coming to me from all different angles that aren't e-commerce or selling something online, coaching, memberships, whatever it could be. My question is, is do you look at niching down as more of a just a marketing strategy for most of your services or is it a business organizational yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a couple of things. When you're first starting out, it's a marketing thing, right? Because, and the reason that, I think the biggest problem that people have with with niching down is FOMO. They're afraid that they're going to miss out on all this other work. Of course, if an accounting firm walks in the door and says, hey, they've got $10,000 for your you know web dev skills or whatever, and they've got a good budget and it's a great project, you're not going to say no because they don't fit your perfect avatar. I mean, that's just craziness when you're starting out, right? So the point is, when you're first starting out, you you need to you need to promote yourself in some way. You need to let the marketplace know that you're a viable option and that you have services to offer. And the problem is, if you don't have a target in mind, you end up just talking in broad brush strokes, trying to keep everyone happy all the time. And when you try and do that, you dilute your message and you end up just being beige. You know, it's like you, you just kind of blend you blend into the wallpaper. So the point is, you need to have a unique proposition. I'll give you an example. My accountant, one of his one of his things that he says is, if someone meets him at a networking event, he never says, I'm an accountant. He says, I help small businesses who are doing about $2 million a year go to $5 million a year and then $10 million a year. I'm like, huh, are you a business coach? No, 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 I'm a CPA. Huh, so how do you do that? Well, now we're having a conversation and he explains the program and he explains how they work, right? So of course, if a client comes along to him and says, hey, we're doing a million dollars a year and we just want to get to one and a half, well, he's not going to say no, there's work there and he can help them. But the point is, if you need to communicate what it is you do, you need to focus on a particular type of customer that you can help and a particular problem that you can solve because that gives you somewhere to focus your marketing efforts. And if you have focused marketing efforts, generally in my experience, what happens is work comes to you just because of energy in, energy out kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a bit woo-woo and it's a bit hard to quantify, but it works. Sometimes the work doesn't come from where you've put the effort in. It's a weird thing, but if you put effort into marketing, then work comes because someone sees you they refer you it makes you easier to recommend to if someone knows what you do you know 
Sure. If you are the membership guys who specialize in building membership websites, so we've got one of our Mavericks members specializes in doing access alley integrations with like Entreport and Infusionsoft for large membership and online course sites. I had mm. someone recently reach out to me and they're like, ah, oh, we need this, blah, blah. I'm like, yep, go see Alyssa because that's what she does. She's the specialist right. at that. That makes it easy for me to refer. Now, so from a marketing point of view, I think when you start out, uh, niching down is definitely uh, a great idea. From a business point of view, I think as you grow, you can decide that your entire business is then built around serving that audience. So for us, our our ideal audience is freelancers or micropreneurs. In other words, someone who's got a, a small business and the team is usually three or less, or they're a, a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at helping them get sustainable, get profitable, and then start to scale. That's that's our sweet spot. If an agency comes along and they've got 25 staff and they're doing 10 mil a year and they want to get to 20, I'm like, ah, maybe you should go see someone else. I could probably help you, but it's not my sweet spot. So we've evolved. Our business has evolved and we know our customer. We know where we're best spent now. We know what our sweet spot is now. So for our point of view, niching is a business decision now because we're a bit more mature. But when we first started out, it's definitely a marketing decision. I hope that does that does that answer yeah. the question? Yeah, because I think a lot of people are like, especially when they're starting out and what I get a lot of people asking me about is, is I have a full-time job. I'm thinking about doing freelancing. Should I just offer my services, design, development, marketing, whatever it is that they do, or should I niche down and specialize first and then offer? And I'm saying, look, you got to get a job first to understand what it is that all of the other things that your full-time job is supporting at this point, you, you know, the contracts, the, the fulfillment, the deliverables, the, you know, milestones, the project management, all of those things you need to understand, focus in on what you're good at, the services that you could provide, offer those first, get five or six projects under, and then start to figure out who it is that you like to help, what yeah. solutions you like to provide, people that you like to work with, yeah. those kind of things first. Yeah. And then Use it as a marketing child. Put up a landing page. Don't change your whole website. Correct. Just put up a landing page somewhere Dude. and point people to that. How many times <laughs> have I had this conversation? Do I need to buy a new domain name if I'm going to focus on accountants? <laughs> no, you don't. Just put up, you know, it's like, it's called domainname.com slash accountants. It's, it's a landing page. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. it's it, People tend to overthink a lot of oh, things. And I, I'm just like, look, look at it from a simple perspective. Like, yeah, yeah. what would this look like if it's simple? Right. One, two, three steps. That's it. That's if you it. could take three steps to the solution, yeah. what it is. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this has been fantastic, Troy. Troy has so graciously offered to all of us a free proposal template. So I'll put the link in the show notes. So definitely go check that out. It's free. Just download it, customize it in Troy's word, season it to taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and basically make it your own, but it's great template. I've used it in the past. Still bits of it are in sprinkled in mine yeah, yeah. still to this yeah. day. So it's it's a great proposal. It's not a design template, by the way. A lot of people download it and they're like, huh, this is really boring. Yeah, it's not. It's like there's no design at all. It's actually the like the content and the messaging for your design, te- for, for your proposal template. So if you do download it, don't expect anything pretty. It's just black and white. Yeah. I mean, what is with those design proposals? I saw one the other day and I'm like, oh man, mine is just a big wall of text. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'll throw in like a website here and there, but like I saw this one, it was outrageous. I'm like, who's... Who's got time to produce this stuff? Yeah, I know, I know. They're like (laughs) brochures. And I think think the thing is, if you're not confident with the substance of your proposal, then people 
tend to fancy it up with style and they you know, make it pretty, but really no one cares about how pretty it is. They just care about how you're going to help them solve their problem. Sure. Right. Make it readable and use a nice font, but don't worry about how pretty it is. It's not a corporate brochure. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. You know what? I'm just never going to do that. No, it's not my thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what's next for you, Troy? What's up next? Yeah. And so it's a great question. And so, and it leads nicely into niching. So the challenge for us is uh, we've had a great time and we, we still continue to serve WordPress consultants. We've been doing it for, you know, five and a half or six years now or longer. If you include our, our some of our software, I love the impact that we have on our customers' lives. And I know that we can help other creative freelancers like videographers, graphic designers, copywriters, marketing consultants, you know, funnel builders. I know we can help those people. And so our challenge now is how do we, how do we expand the reach that we're having and how do we expand the impact that we're having and reach a wider audience, but, you know, without abandoning our core audience who are WordPress freelancers. And so we're just very slowly, very delicately sort of working our way through that and taking some of our core training, which as you know, really doesn't have much to do with WordPress anyway. It's kind of, you know, general training that applies to creative freelancers. So we're, we're working out how we can reposition the company to appeal to those, that creative freelancer marketplace. And so that's probably, you know, the next two years for us is, uh, is just sh- sharing that message, testing the training, making sure it works with people who aren't WordPress developers, getting some social proof, getting some case studies, and then expanding what it is we're doing to a wider audience. Because And live events is really the big thing that's ha- happening for us, is running our mastermind programs through our Mavericks Club mm. Mastermind. It's it's awesome. Like, dude, like being in a room, as you know, you came to one of our events in New York. Did you come down to Philly as well? Yes. Yep, yeah, yeah. Philly as well. Those live events are just awesome. So, yeah, you know, that's where I have the most fun. Uh, and so, and traveling and doing those live events and hanging out with creative freelancers is, is where it's at for the next few years for me. Mm, awesome. Well, where can people reach out and say thanks? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter at Troy Dean. WPElevation.com is our blog. And we have a free Facebook group called Digital Mavericks. So Facebook.com and then just search groups for Digital Mavericks. It's totally free. It's about, I don't know, 4,000 people in there at the moment. And we just Mm -hmm. teach a whole bunch of stuff in there about running a creative freelance business. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Troy, for all of the insights here. Uh, I know I got a ton. I got to go rewrite some things. (laughs) So... (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason. Keep it up. Awesome. And everyone listening until next time, short time to live in the feast. Are you reflecting on your unique value proposition? Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, then head on over to Live in the Feast and subscribe to the podcast. While you're in iTunes, leave Troy and I a five-star rating and review as it will help others find this episode as well. And speaking of using your client's language in your sales and marketing, next week we'll be back with Leanna Patch discussing how to inject humor and your own personality into your messaging to attract the types of clients you want. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast. Mm